This is The Brian Hayes Show on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. The Brian Hayes Show continues, TSN 1050, online, tsn1050.ca, also on the TSN Go app. Jack Armstrong later in the hour, live from L.A., ahead of the game tonight. Raptors-Lakers might be the last time we see Kobe in a Lakers uniform Take it on the Raps at the Staples Center. Double shot for the Maple Leafs this weekend at Carolina tonight, at Boston tomorrow. We'll tee both up throughout the hour. And big weekend, of course, in the NFL. As for last night, it was a very cool scene seeing Josh Donaldson win that MVP. Becomes the second Blue Jay in history to do so. Um, He's right there now with George Bell. Bell winning back in 1987, and then Josh Donaldson winning this year, and he had just a remarkable season. But I was getting a bit nervous, man. I'm watching that show on the MLB Network, and they were really pumping the tires of Mike Trout, really pumping his tires. And to chat about the news that broke last night and the offseason so far, we're joined now by the manager of the Blue Jays. Here is John Gibbons. How you doing, John? Good. How you guys doing? We're doing really well. Were you getting nervous like me when you saw Ken Rosenthal and others pumping the tires of Mike Trout last night? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I sure was. You know, um, yeah, I, I was, you know, from watching Josh like you guys, you know, day in, day out, you know, we knew, we all knew what kind of great year he had. And, I mean, it wasn't just like it was a great statistical year. I mean, it was big hit after big hit. And he really never let up. And so we saw that firsthand. And, and you know, and we all know, you know, how good Mike Trout is. And, you know, year after year, he's in the running. And, but, you know, I mean, if you're, you really couldn't compare. I didn't think the the years, you know, the magnitude of the hits and the game winning type hits and what what have you. So I felt good about it. But you know, nowadays you know the guys voting, you never know what they're gonna, you never know what they're gonna do. So, uh, but he had been he'd been really monopolizing all the awards this winter. So it was almost like no way he could win. That's right. Yeah. No. And he he deserved it. He had an absolutely outstanding season, and we got the luxury, or we had the luxury of seeing him go out there every single day and do it do what he does best, but you have the luxury of seeing him not only on the field, but off the field. Um, what is it about his routine and his attitude and what he brings to the team, uh, you know, off the field in the clubhouse that makes him so great? Well, you know, he, uh, he's got great, great passion and intensity. You know, we, the first day of spring training when he showed up, uh, you know, we'd seen him from afar playing for Oakland. We knew he was a good player. You know, he played well against us. But just from watching, really, from day one in that first week in spring training, you knew there was, you knew there was something a little different about him. I mean, you know, he, yeah, I think he was caught off guard to begin with by the trade, so he had done a little extra he wanted to prove. But there was just something different about this guy, something something that we needed. I, you know, I, I made this statement many times. I, I thought he brought some toughness to the team, and uh, and really some arrogance, you know, and, and some some really just what this team needed. And, you know, you combine that with, you know, of course, Batista and, and uh, Martin and some of those guys, Eddie, you know, really it brought out the best in his ex. So, but I don't think I've ever been around a guy that's, you know, day in, day out, pushes himself so hard and wills himself, you know, to be the best. And, and um, you know, I've been around some good ones. When you've got a guy that's that intense, that passionate, do you ever have to scale it back? Well, you know, we mentioned to him a time or two, hey, you know, you know, you know, back off a little bit. Don't be running your walls. You know, he made that great catch down in in uh, Tampa during Estrada's perfect game he had going, and so he makes a play like that to keep that thing going. So it's kind of tough to tell him, hey, back off a little bit, kid. You know, he's, he's trying to help us win a game, but 
you know, there might have been a time or two said, hey, listen, you know, be smart. We need you out on the field. Don't do anything stupid. You know, if he, I mean, he was, because he was actually, he was beat up a lot this year. You know, his, his, uh, you know, his, his lower body and his back, it just kind of, you know, really goes with the territory playing every day. So, and, and a lot of things people didn't know about. So we tell him every now and then, hey, you know, you know, if you, if you hit a ball, you know, stay under control. Don't, you don't need to bust it on every play. We need you on the field, that kind of thing. But, you know, he's, uh, he was on a mission. He really uh, was instrumental in putting us over the top. With John Gibbons here on the Brian Hayes Show, um, you mentioned you know how banged up he he could have been at times, and how how banged up other players can be. It's a long grind. What's your policy on on how open you want your players to be about what they're going through? Do you ever tell them to not reveal injuries, or do you allow them to kind of dictate it whichever way they see fit? Well, you know, Brian's kind of funny. I, I tell them all at the beginning of the season, especially you know once the season starts and. You know who your everyday guys are going to be, the guys that, you know, come hell or high water, they're out there because you need them to be and they want to be out there. But I tell them, too, I said, hey, if you need to sneak by, you need to walk by my office, stick your head in there and say, hey, listen, I could use a day here or there. I'm, I'm a little bit banged up. Keep an eye on me, that kind of thing. I need you to do it because, you know, otherwise I'm just, you know, I don't know everything that's going on in your head. Now, they, they you know, they're in constant contact with the trainers, and the trainers will tell me, hey, if this guy, you know, has this or that. But it's, I think it's very important that they they let us know, you know, because otherwise they're guys that you know they're out there every day. They, you know, they play through that kind of those kind of injuries, and uh, so we, you know, as a coaching staff, don't always know, you know, the the uh, you know how serious those things can be. But so it's really it's it's you know it's a tough battle to win because they don't want to say anything, and then sometimes they expect you to know, and it's really kind of it can get it uh, you know it, it can get a little confusing. Because you need them out there on the field. They want to be out there on the field. And, heck, if they're productive, you know, everybody wants them out on the field. We're chatting with John Gibbons. Um, you guys coming off just a, a miracle run and, a, and a, a great, great season. And you get back to the playoffs for the first time in over two decades. And I think going into last season, everyone knew you guys had a lot of talent. And there's always going to be expectation and pressure that comes with, with being in the pros. I mean, you know that. You've been kicking around the pros for a long, long time. But I think you guys caught a lot of people off guard. Uh, that will not be the case going into spring training this year. Um, the pressure will be there. How can you use that pressure to actually help the team? Well, Brian, you know, that, first off, that, I mean, that's a, that's a that's a good thing. But you know, if you if you look, uh, you know, you, you look back three years ago when you know we made some trades, big trades with the Marlins, and then you know with the Mets for Dickey and and. Uh, you know, that was that was a year really everybody, everybody in baseball crowned us champs before we ever played a game, right? And uh, you know that, that that season fell apart. We had a disappointing season, and, but really that was the year. Okay, we made all these moves. This is when it's going to happen. You know, it's, it's never that easy. And then you know we bounced back a little bit the the next year, and then it was this year. You know, I'm not I'm not so sure there was a whole lot of pressure even going in. Everybody thought, well, you know, this this team's not for real. Blah blah blah. Even though we went out and got uh, Donaldson and, and uh, Russell Martin, so you know we were just playing 500 ball, and all of a sudden, man, we just caught fire with some big additions. You know, David Price, Tulowitzki, and the group really came together. And uh, you know, we, we were probably the best team in baseball those last couple months. So, yeah, we, we put we put ourselves on the map. It was something that I think you know our fan base was looking for for the last three years because of you know the move, the original moves we had made, but it didn't happen. So this really swept everybody off up. And then now, you know, going into the next season, everybody's going to expect the same thing. And, you know, it's not going to be easy to do, but, but shoot, we got a good enough team. We, we, uh, 
we think we can go back out there and, and do it just what we did this year and uh, do it for a longer period of time. So, uh, you know, we're excited about that. You always want to be known as a team that, you know, has a chance, you know, you, and, uh, you know, you don't want to be one of those also rands that, hey, you just go out there and play the games and you hope something happens. With this group, we expect something to happen. Being a big league manager, it can be grueling. I mean, I'm sure you would know this, John. You, you've done it, and you've been doing it for a long time. I'm sure you feel like a human pinata at times. I mean, from people in the fan base and the media constantly taking runs and constantly second-guessing things that you've done. Um, now that, that you've made the playoffs and, and you put forth such a great outing, do you expect people to let up a little bit more on, on yourself as a manager? You know, Brian, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, you. Uh, I think you kind of – Develop uh, reputations in this in this business from you know from the early early goings of it, whether it's justified or not, and uh, you know uh, it really goes with the territory of being a manager. You know, the, the, the one of the beauties of baseball is there's so many different ways to do things, and everybody everybody and their brother has an idea how to do it, right? And uh, you know, you, we don't always get the luxury of doing it after the fact, but it really, I think that's that really that's what intrigues everybody about baseball is, hey, there's so many different ways and, and, and people that's how people get caught up in it. So, you know, I, I love that. Uh, but, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm the guy that has to make the decision. If it doesn't work, you know, you, you get hammered pretty good. If it works, nobody says anything. So that's just kind of the way it is. So you, you learn that. And, you know, there's only, you know, Brian, there's only one thing that shuts up, uh, you know, all your naysayers eventually, and that's to win a championship, right? So, you know, hopefully we got one of those in store for us here in the, in the near future, and that, uh, and then you can always stick your chest out a little bit further, I guess. Do you feel like, the, for the most part, you're, you're treated fairly, or have you ever felt like it's been kind of unfair at times, some of the attacks that are not, only, not even only on you, but, but your team over the, uh, over the past few years? No, I mean, you know, I've been treated fine. Yeah, that, you know, I've, I've uh, you, know, you know, people have been good to me. It really goes, you know, like I said, it goes with the territory, you know, and the team. When the team's not performing, you know, I mean, they, they they lay it on you pretty thick, especially you know when it's been twenty plus years here in Toronto. Right. You know, it, it you know it tends to build. You know, the frustration builds a little deeper. So, uh, but that's like I said, the only way you shake that permanently is hey, you go out and win a championship. You know, win win the whole shebang. So, uh, but really, it it that that's baseball. You know, and if you can't take that, or I mean, if it gets to you, you know, there's times you want to fight back. You know, everybody doesn't really always understand what's actually going on behind all the decisions you make, uh, you know, and they'll never be privy to all that. But sometimes you just have to wear it and, uh, you know, I hope you, win, hope you win more than you lose. That's right. That's right. Uh, with John Gibbons, uh, what have you learned so far about Mark Shapiro? Well, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I know Mark a little bit. I've spoken to him a couple times since he's taken over. You know, one, one thing, you know, talking to, you know, other baseball people around the, the business that really know him, they, they, they all have great things to say about him. He's, you know, he's a good baseball man. He's a good guy to work with. And so I look forward to him. I, you know, I don't know him that well. You know, in, in the near future here, we'll get to know each other a little bit more. We, you know, we, we're heading to the winter meetings here in the next couple of weeks in Nashville. So we'll spend some time together. But, uh, you know, he's been around the block a long time. So, um, you know, we need to, uh, you know, it's, a, it's definitely a big loss, you know, with Alex. You know, Alex really, you know, has been so long since the team won. And he, he was the architect behind all that. He and Paul Beeston and, uh, now they're both both gone, but you know the game of baseball you know keeps moving on, and, and you know Mark's got a good reputation in baseball, and he's been at it a while, so hopefully the bus keeps moving. How do you think Alex would have responded to Josh Donaldson winning the MVP? 
Oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I did not talk to him, but I guarantee he was uh, happy as could be. You know, he was, uh, you know, really two big moves last last off season. You know, trading for Josh and, and signing Russell to as, as a free agent. So, you know, he's, uh, you know, one thing. There's a, there's a big heart in Alex. You know, he's there's a, there's a, you know, uh, the human side of him, you know, really, you know, comes out on display in in, in special times like that. And uh, so I guarantee you he was celebrating just as much as anybody. It's incredible where you look at the dynamics of, of front office and in, in, in the clubhouse where, you know, you're in the business, John, you're thinking, let's win the next game. Let's let's get to the playoffs right now. And and I'm obviously you understand that when you're further up the chain or you're you're in that front office, you gotta be thinking not only about the short term but the long term as well. Um so it must have been amazing, like when that Donaldson deal went down, you must have been thinking, Wow, we're going for it right now. Like obviously even the, I would think the same thing would apply with the Tulo trade, the price trade. Like as a manager do you, do you ever allow yourself to take a step back and say every once in a while I've got to think about two three years down the road, or are you constantly focused on the here and now? Well, I tell you what, Ryan. You know it. it uh, you know, when you, as, as a manager, when your job's to win, I mean, you, you you spend more time looking at the now. You know, in that particular game, this particular month, whatever it might be. You know, if you are running the you know the, the front office and you're acquiring players and you're building. Not only for this year, but down down the road, and you know you, uh, you know you're really running the uh, owner's business, and you know see, so, I mean, so you have to, yeah, I mean, there's times you have to be fiscally responsible and things like that, and because it is it is a business, so you know as as field personnel, we look, at, I think we have a tendency to look at it a little differently. You know, I think common sense would tell us, hey, this you can't do everything you want to do. I mean, that's just that's not the way it works, but you know we do view it differently, and then the you know the people. The architects really of the team, and uh, that's the way way it should be. You know, uh, you know, I I think I have a pretty good, you know, pretty good reasoning of how things work and how things need to work. And you know, there's no really no perfect team out there. You can't always get what you want. You know, no nobody can. No, but you just trust the guys that are putting it all together and and to to give you something to work with. And my experience here in Toronto, they always have. Well, it was uh, obviously an incredible run, and I think it's going to be a really, really fun off season. And we're already thinking about you guys being back in town early in April. So uh, enjoy the rest of the off season, and hopefully, we get a chance to do this again down the road. Thanks so much for taking time today, John. Thank you, Brian. John Gibbons, the uh, manager of the Blue Jays, happy guy with and he should be. I mean, that's his guy, Josh Donaldson, winning the MVP. And the Jays went on that incredible run, won the AL East. The expectations are high going into next season, as they should be, going into the offseason. I mean, we're still only, what, two, three weeks into the offseason? And it feels like a lot of a lot of different stuff has already taken place. I mean, the Anthopolis stuff, Shapiro, Donaldson winning the MVP, the signing of Estrada. I mean, there are so many different things that have already taken place, and we're only two or three weeks removed from, from the World Series being handed out. But we do appreciate John taking time. You can find everything podcasted online, tsn1050.ca. Check out the Brian Hayes Show and Lease Lunch on iTunes as well. Jack Armstrong coming up a little bit later in the hour. We'll get into the Maple Leafs weekend. They're in Carolina tonight, in Boston tomorrow night. And the Raptors with a big weekend, week 11 in the NFL as well. We'll touch on all that throughout the hour. This is the Brian Hayes Show.
Jack Armstrong will join me in about 10 minutes ahead of the Raptors game in L.A. tonight against the Lakers. I was talking about this earlier. I feel like the defining moment of the Raptors franchise may have been Kobe putting up 81 points. It's either Kobe putting up 81 or Vince winning the dunk contest, neither of which are really positive stories for the team. Like Vince was representing the Raptors in the city, but it was at the dunk contest. It was at the All-Star Game weekend. That doesn't really do anything in terms of wins and losses. And obviously Kobe going off for 81 is just crazy. Crazy. I feel like Steph Curry may go off for 81 this year. He went off for 40 last night, and he was pissed off with himself. He had 40. They were down by 23 to the Clippers in the second quarter, down by double digits with like five minutes left. Not only did they win, they covered the number. Now, I never bet on basketball, and it's not available to you on Proline up here, but I have a feeling this might be the game they lose tonight. They're at home against Chicago tonight. Last night was so emotional in L.A. Now they're back home. They left a lot on the floor last night. This is a test. And only the fifth team in NBA history to begin the season 13-0. Chance at 14-0 tonight against the Bulls. I feel like this could be the night Chicago wins. Chicago could beat Golden State tonight. But I think Vince going off at the dunk contest and Kobe going off for 81. Those are the two moments. Maybe Villanueva being drafted. Maybe. Like Arujo, I guess. Maybe. Vince missing that shot, Game 7 at Philly, maybe. We'll talk to Jack about that. The uh, Maple Leafs are in action tonight. Back in action tomorrow as well in Boston, tonight in Carolina. And today is the uh, anniversary of Salute Gate. November 20th, 2014, that was Salute Gate. And that was the most remarkable soap opera week I've ever experienced covering this team. Being in the media, talking about this team daily, That was the week in which, on Saturday night, they lost 6-2 to Buffalo. And Buffalo, remember, they were the worst team in the league last year by a mile. And the Leafs lost 6-2 on the Saturday night. And I think it was either the Monday or the Tuesday night. They played Nashville at home and they lost 9-2. And that week was crazy. Because then, on the Thursday night, November 20th, It was Tampa in town. They beat Tampa, and they did not salute the crowd. Hence, salute gate. And that was the craziest week of radio uh, from a Leafs standpoint. I I can remember. I've been on the air for the the Burke firing. I've been on the air for the Babcock hiring. I was actually, like, on the air when those happened. I remember Brian Burke got fired at, like, 12.30. And Babcock, it was official or everyone was willing to confirm it around 2, 2.30. So I, it was right in my wheelhouse. I was on the air for both. But in terms of just getting on the radio and being able to talk about it, uh, that week was was the most fascinating, roller coaster, emotional week I can think of, I've ever experienced. And really, I mean, there's, there's been so much turnover. It's been turnover at the highest level. Like, you know, there's still a lot of players here that have been here for a while. You know, there's still a lot of players that represent the meltdowns of the past. But the coach is gone. The star player is gone. A new coach is in. A new GM is in. And I guess the GM is gone, too. Known as Carlisle and Phil 
are all gone. Lamorello and Babcock are in. And it feels very different today. This whole organization feels very, very different. And I think it's more about the additions than the subtractions. You know, there's there's a lot of people that have been contemplating and and wondering, you know, what would what would Phil be like with Babcock? What would Phil be like if he was still here? And we'll never know. But I, I don't think this team changed as much as it did because Phil left. I think it's changed as much as it has because Babcock got here. I think the addition of Babcock is more significant to the colossal change that we have witnessed than the subtraction of Phil Kessel. I don't think there's any doubt. And these two teams they're going to play this weekend, uh, two teams that the Maple Leafs could mirror in many ways. Carolina, not a very good team. Uh, one of the worst two or three teams in, in the Eastern Conference. And that's where the Maple Leafs currently stand with their their record. And I think by the end of the year, Carolina is going to be pursuing the top pick in, in the NHL draft. I think they'll be a bottom three or bottom five team. So could the Maple Leafs end up right there with them? Absolutely they could be. Or could they be Boston, where I think Boston's ceiling is hovering around a playoff spot, maybe backdooring into a wild card spot. You know, maybe they get that third spot in the Atlantic Division, but by no means do I picture a scenario here where Boston feels really comfortable with the idea of them making the playoffs. I don't see them clinching with four or five games left to play. I don't see them seven, eight, eight points into a playoff spot. And I, I think that is... The discrepancy here, I think that's what we're talking about. The high end for the Maple Leafs is where Boston is now and I think where Boston will be throughout the year. And the low end is where Carolina is right now and where I think Carolina will be throughout the year. And tomorrow night, first game for the Leafs in Boston without Phil Kessel. And I was thinking about that as well. Like, Who, who in this organization represents you know, a big return playing their former team. I think it's Babcock in Detroit, and I think it's Lamorello in New Jersey. I don't think any of the, any of the other players offer that kind of suspense and buildup. I think it was always Phil in Boston. Now it's Babcock in Detroit, Lou Lamorello in New Jersey. I don't think any of the players in their former teams, I don't think it really piques the interest of a lot of people. Jack Armstrong will join us live from L.A. We'll tee up the Raptors weekend, big weekend for them, at the Lakers tonight, same building, at the Clippers on Sunday. All right, so Jack is going to join me here in just a moment. I'm glad he's on because I know he's a big Buffalo Bills fan. And I want to try to get him to explain where Rex Ryan is going with all of this Bill Belichick fascination. Rex Ryan will not stop talking about Belichick. He will not stop making it all about himself, his ego, his fascination with with Belichick. And the best part about it is Belichick has not said a word. (laughs) Belichick doesn't even acknowledge the existence of Rex Ryan. So we will touch on the Raps in L.A. tonight, in L.A. on Sunday. But here is our TSN 1050 Raptors analyst, Jack Armstrong. But, Jack, I have to ask you about your boy Rex Ryan out of the gate. Is he really this delusional that he really believes Bill Belichick cares about him at all? No. I, I, I think uh, he's just, you know, I think Rex thinks the more that he talks, the less attention will be focused on his team during a big week getting ready for the game, you know, and, and – so the players uh, don't get as much of the attention, and he takes it all on himself. 
and kind of like what we saw last week with the Jet game. Um, and I think this tact is a lot different. Remember the last time uh, when they played the Patriots going into week two, uh, he had his guys way too keyed up, uh, a lot of stupid penalties, very undisciplined, and they ran their mouths. Uh, this time it's just him just talking about his relationship with Belichick and really hasn't done anything else. So I think he just uses it as a ploy where he thinks that you know he can be the f- focus of attention and it takes everything off his players. I, I don't know what, what the rhyme or reason of the whole thing is, but I, I, I agree with you. I think Belichick's response is, is priceless. Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, basically, I mean, come on, the guy's won Super Bowls uh, not only as a defensive coordinator, but as obviously as a head coach. And, um, you know, I mean, they, they have low regard for for what the, <laughs> uh, their opponent is. And, and let's face it, Rex is 1-9 and nine in his last 10 against them. So rather than running his mouth and wasting time, it should be all about just preparation and I don't know. I can't make I can't make sense of it. But Monday night, I'll be out with a bunch of buddies watching the game, hoping the Bills can miraculously win by one. Oh, it'd be massive, man! It really would be a massive one, and and it's going to be a great game. And uh, tonight's going to be interesting at the Staples Center. Maybe the last time the Raptors take on Kobe Bryant as a Laker in LA. And I've been talking about that throughout the afternoon, Jack. That I would suggest league wide the most defining moment or the most talked about moment in Raptors history league wide is likely when Kobe put up 81 on them. Uh, would you agree or disagree with that? <laughs> uh, that's pretty unfortunate, but it's probably pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, no, I, I, I would have to say, uh, uh, oh, boy, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I have to say right now in the 21-year history of the Raptors, that's probably uh, probably their biggest place in NBA history. Has been unfortunately on the wrong side, but kind of like the Washington Generals against the wrong side. <laughs> That's right. So uh, yeah, I'd say you're right. Yeah, I know it's too bad, but I I really I wish I was wrong. <laughs> I wish no, I was. Very funny, actually. Yeah, I think it might be when Kobe went off for 81. Like that is the most talked about. Raptors reference probably league wide, and I don't think Kobe's going to do it tonight. But I could see him shooting the ball eighty-one times. Couldn't you? <laughs> well, you know what? Between him and Lou Williams and Nick Young, the three of them, uh, they're not shy. So, uh, and Julius Randle uh, seems to be uh, pretty aggressive as well, shooting the ball. So, um, you know, the Raps have somehow, some way, got to find a way to win a game here because uh, it's gotten to the point now where it's. Uh, uh, you know, they've had three straight games on this trip where they've had a fourth-quarter lead and kicked it away. Five of their six losses have come where they've led in the fourth quarter. So needless to say, there's a lot of discussion about how they start in the first quarter, which is a big deal. But uh, it also comes down to how you close as well. With Jack Armstrong, um, you look at this roadie. They're they're 0-3 on it. They've, they've had opportunities in, in all three games. They've They've really had a chance to maybe not be three and zero. I mean, I can't. I don't think you can walk back on that Golden State game and say they should win that. I mean, look at what Golden State is doing right now. But um, tough spot in Utah, you know, coming off that game, and they had that game in Sacramento to kick things off, and Cousins went off, and, and they let it slide in the fourth. Um, is there any moral victory here? Like, is there anything you can take out of these first three games that that could be considered a positive at this point? Well, the, the positive to me. You know, when I look at the big picture, Brian, after 13 games, is the fact that they've won seven, and in five of the six losses, you know, they've led in the fourth quarter. So 
Uh, they've only had one game where they lost at Miami where they got kicked around, and they led at halftime there, but then they lost in the second half. But when I, when I evaluate their team after 13 games, I guess the thing I look at is the fact that, you know, obviously, once again, after back-to-back playoff seasons, they, get, you know, they have a competitive ball club. Um, they can hang with anybody in the league, which is a good thing. The concern, which I had it in, in preseason, and it still exists now, is the fact that do they have enough? Uh, do they have enough weapons uh, when, you, you know, in the fourth quarter, you, you, a lot of times you need that other guy to get you over the hump, or you need other guys during the course of the game to take the pressure off the fourth quarter. And right now I look at, like, for example, the last two games, Patrick Patterson had a combined three points. This was a guy that was supposed to be your starting power forward this year. He's had a disappointing year. Uh, he's had a few moments, but he's had a disappointing year so far. Terrence Ross has been hurt, but before he got hurt, uh, you know, he hasn't played to the level he should be playing at. And in my opinion, if the Raptors are going to be a playoff team and have a good year this year, those two guys off the bench, because Corey Joseph's done a really nice job. He's been terrific. Uh, Biombo is as advertised. He's a shot blocker, rebounder, defender. He's a limited offensive player, but he he does what he's supposed to. He's does he does what he's been brought here to do. Um, this bench is a concern, and I think there's times where there's just way too much pressure on Lowry and DeRozan, or they feel like there's too much pressure on them, and they try too hard and force things rather than trust the fact that there's enough talent on this team to win. So I, it's kind of a balancing act right now, but they got to figure it out, and they got to trust each other a little bit more. Enjoy it there this weekend, Jack. I know you will, and uh, good luck with the Bills on Monday night. Brian, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. You too. There he is, Jack Armstrong, our TSN 1050 Raptors analyst. You can hear the game, Raptors-Lakers tonight, right here on TSN 1050. Uh-oh, I've rattled some cages out there. Some Buffalo Bills fans are not happy with me. Some guy named Ken tweeting in. I guess he's from Buffalo. He lives in Buffalo. He's, he's picking up the signal. He's listening to the show. So he lives in Buffalo, and he's listening to this radio show up here in Toronto, and he goes, stick to curling and why the Leafs suck. You know nothing about Rex in the NFL, you hoser. And he linked in his buddy Clay. And his Clay responded with his buddy Clay responds with Hayes is an idiot. Always gets busted for speeding on the four hundred seven two. So, needless to say, easily the worst chirps in the history of Twitter. Like just a horrible, horrible chirp game. Horrible. Like I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. Always gets busted for speeding on the four hundred seven. Like, am I supposed to be offended by that? Am I missing something here, Mullen? I don't think I'm missing anything, right? I don't know. That's just a bad, bad chirp. Apparently. Bad chirp. So I, I made sure to point that out on Twitter. I said, boys, awful chirp game. Terrible. Please step up your game or log off. Ken responds with, Brian, your take that Rex is making the game all about him shows you probably still right with crayons. Settle yourself. And Clay responds with, sick burn, bro. You're so cool. Not good. Can we just point out that his name's Clay? First of all, Clay is his name, and he says, bro. It makes a lot of sense. Hey, I'm just calling a spade a spade, Clay and Ken. Rex Ryan loves that it's all about him, and he continues to make it all about him. And I think the Patriots, I think it's going to be a good game for Bills fans. I hope that they're in it. I hope they win it. 
but I don't love their chances. That's on Monday night. We'll get to our best bets brought to you by ProLine. We'll tee up a busy weekend for the Maple Leafs and the Raptors. Tee up TSN Drive with Dave Naylor as well. This is the Brian Hayes Show. TSN Drive with Dave Naylor up at 4 p.m. We'll get to our best bets brought to you by ProLine here in just a moment. All right, I want to play this uh, clip from last night on the MLB Network. Bryce Harper outed himself here. He's a young guy, too. I feel like he should know better. Although it is a word that I'll admit when I first read it, I pronounced it the exact same way. So I would go out of my way not to pronounce the word because I felt like I was going to pronounce it improperly. Uh, Bryce did not heed that same advice. This is what happened to Bryce Harper last night. You're bald as Van Pelt or seven home runs is like a big power year for you. Which would you rather be? I don't even want to answer that right now because I know how many memes are going to be out there of me with a bald head. So <laughs> um, I really probably would take the bald head. Memes. That is tough, man. That is cringeworthy, isn't it? Memes. And you could tell like he was waiting for Van Pelt to laugh, but I think Van Pelt was like either mortified or didn't know what he meant. Because it was, it was like he was, he was waiting for a lifeline there, right? All right, play one more time. I don't even want to answer that right now because I know how many memes are going to be out there of me with a bald head. So, <laughs> Yeah, he's waiting for a lifeline, and Van Pelt is just mortified. It's memes, memes. Anyway, um, remember that mom down in Nashville last week that was pissed off with Cam Newton because Cam was dancing after he scored a touchdown? Apparently she's cool with him now. Her, her name was Rosemary Plorin. Of course her name was Rosemary. Like, if you could pick one name of a, of a mother complaining about how the kids are going to respond, wouldn't you go with Rosemary? But apparently his response to all of the confusion and all of the controversy led her to get a better read on Cam Newton. This is equally as presumptuous and ignorant, in my opinion. Thinking she ever knew Cam was the problem. Thinking you know Cam because he dances after a celebration or, or after a, a touchdown or thinking you know Cam because of a 30-second soundbite, not good. She continues to perpetuate that. Continues to perpetuate that. Time now for our best bets brought to you by ProLine. Looking at the point spread, I'm taking Oakland minus one and a half at Detroit. I'm taking St. Louis plus two and a half at Baltimore. I'm taking Dallas to bounce back with Tony Romo. At Miami. Throwing out 20 bucks on all three of you. Score all three correctly, you can win $100. You can find my picks on Twitter at TSN1050Radio and get way into the game with ProLine. It's the sports betting game that lets you turn small wagers into big excitement. ProLine, get way into the game. TSN Drive with Dave Naylor up next. Enjoy that. Enjoy your weekends. We're back tomorrow at noon. We'll chat then. Okay, great. Thanks a lot for that look in the sports, Brian. Yeah.